everybody, this is Walt. This is Max. And you are listening to the ABCs of rock and metal. We call it Anti-Seminal for short, and we are, as always, Useless Info, Inc. Thank you for joining us, and we are on to the Ks, which Ks. means Killing Joke. Killing Joke. And we're going to do their first album, their debut release, which is also called Killing Joke from 1980. They had another self-title. They did, like later, later on, on right? Yeah. That's so confusing. 90-something. So Walt, set us up on this album. All right, released in 1980. Yeah. I got conflicting stuff online if it was through Malicious Damage, mm. their own record label, and uh, distributed by Island Records, or if it was released on EG Records. Okay. And distributed by Polydor. Okay. So I don't know what to make of that. Yeah. Okay. You know, but it's a fantastic album. The lineup is Jazz Coleman, vocals, keyboards. Yeah. Founding member, Kevin Jordy Walker, guitar. Martin Youth Glover. Everybody just called him Youth. Yeah. Pretty much. Bass. He was on bass. Uh, Big Paul Ferguson on drums. Yep. And they originally formed in Notting Hill, okay. London, where they yeah. met, where Paul met Jazz, and, and they started up Killing Jazz. That was roughly which year? I think that was 1978, around there, okay. something like that. All right. It was the late 70s when they started up. Now, Coleman and Walker were the most consistent members over there. The only career, two. The right? only two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. And Jordy, and, Jordy and Jazz, yeah. Mm-hmm. Paul left here and there. They got back together in the 2000s after Raven, Paul Raven died. Right, okay. Uh, God rest his soul. Another great, great player, great musician. So I can't uh, say enough about this album and how it uh, has influenced so many other rock bands across the board. Now, okay, first, why do you think it's so influential? Just because of what they were doing at the time. It's been described as post-punk, pre-industrial, heavy metal. Pretty much. Which I, I don't see the heavy metal aspect as much. I don't see much. that as much, but yeah, the first Free few things you said, yeah. Post-punk. Uh, it, it's, it's right in that sweet spot. Nin- I mean, that's 1980. Yeah, that's right. literally sweet spot. where it spots. Yeah. Yeah. The sweet spot, yeah. And they, yeah. And they hit yeah. it and made it wet. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with this album and the other albums after. They're just an incredible change of pace for what was coming out of the UK at the time for mm-hmm. me. Okay. Um, I remember I didn't hear it when it came out in 1980. I heard it years later. Okay. And when I was turned on to it, I was like, what the hell is this? And why didn't I know about this beforehand? Yeah. It was just an incredible game changer to me. Hmm. Took all of those melodic and angry elements, melodic, angry, uh, doing weird stuff. They were just doing weird shit at the time and just put them in a blender and spat it out (laughs) and influenced so many other people to just say, you know what? If you want to be a musician, you want to say something, this is what you can do. So, So name some of those bands. Oh, geez. I mean, I mean everybody it's a lot from, of them. But. Yeah, Nirvana, Soundgarden, Tool, uh, so many, so many. Ministry, mm-hmm. Revolting Cox, There's Murder Inc. also that Big Paul was involved in for yeah. a while. Uh, so many other industrial New York bands at the time, like um, Cops You Cop mm-hmm. and Warrior Soul, who Big Paul was also part of. The Jesus Lizard. Yeah. Uh, Shellac. Everything that, you Jesus know. Jesus and Mary Chain for another Jesus, Jesus Mary, band. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jesus and Mary Chain, too. Yeah. So many great bands took from Killing Joke. Yeah. And I think that they don't give back as much as they should and say, <laughs> I think the only rock star that I've ever seen say something about Killing Joke is Dave Grohl. Hmm. Okay. Because he, he actually 
right. performed with them and I think recorded a couple of albums mm. with them as well. Okay. So uh, he loves this album and he loves Killing Joke. Cool. And rightfully so. I mean, it influenced his career. I don't know how you can be a musician, be a heavy musician and not like Killing Joke. Yeah, okay. I don't see how that could possibly ever happen. Uh, also Metallica, they covered Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll the get weight. into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, well, let's get into it, huh? Requiem. Requiem. Yeah. I love that it starts with a synthesizer. I mean, that's a synth, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's jazz. Yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> played keyboards like a madman. Yeah, yeah. It also sounds like an alarm. Yeah, yeah. Warning you yeah. about what's about to happen. Yeah. You know, and then yeah. kind of lulls you a little bit, too. If you a listen warning to the- is warranted because yeah. where this thing goes. Constant guitar riff. Yeah. Very dirty. Oh, yeah. Very, I mean... I also have to mention the influence on a lot of goth bands. Oh, of course, Sisters of Mercy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You name it, Came at the M. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody took from Killing Joke. If mm-hmm. you were, if you were an industrial musician worth your salt, mm-hmm. and you didn't know Killing Joke, you can go. You are fuck not yourself. actually worth your salt. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Go you fuck had yourself. no salt in you. Yeah, not even a grain of salt. Just this opening alone. It's yeah created it really hits industrial you. music. Yeah, in my yeah, mind, yeah, yeah. in my mind, everybody can argue with me about that if you want. But just bring this song, yeah, just this song, man. <laughs> right? Bring it up. Come on, we'll take all comers. <laughs> we should, Come we on, say that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take all comers. <laughs> so the lyrics: Man watching video, the clock keeps on ticking. He doesn't know why. He's just cattle for slaughter. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. That's something, right? Jazz had a way with words. Yeah, yeah, that's something. Great lyricist. Mm-hmm. Very uh, simple. Yeah. Like, just simple, potent images. Yeah, that's exactly. Music. Yeah. I mean, the way he paces it, too, here. Yeah. And so many people have copied it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there are... It's broken n- up. Numerous goth songs that sound just like this. Yeah. 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 Broken, mm-hmm. as per the message. Yeah, See? yeah. See? Not, 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 not. You know, yeah, yeah, it's broken the way the message is to yeah. get it out there. It's mm-hmm. part of the performance, which I really enjoy. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome fucking tune, man. All right, next up, now we have War Dance, which opens with this snotty sneezing yeah. nonsense, Flemmy. Now that's totally a punk riff. Oh fuck yeah! That is such a punk riff fuck right yeah. there. Yeah, there's a reason why they call it post-punk. It's not quite that far away from punk. It's just a little bit post. Listen to yeah. that thing. I mean, that thing? What was that thing? Uh, it's just the computer talking to somebody. Fuck the computer. Shut up, hell. <laughs> <laughs> Open the pod bay doors. Now, That's not going to happen. There's a, a sound in here, and I can't tell if it's synth or guitar distortion. Which one, What sound are you looking for? Like, not the guitar main riff, but like one of the backing parts. It's also a distortion of the vocal. Yeah, he that makes too. It, it's yeah, like yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a sound collage, yeah. 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 Tribal beat. Oh, fuck yeah. Paul this, was... He's yeah. awesome at that with the tribal beats. This is... It's punk off. It just feels so much like that. Right. The war dance. Yeah, as the <laughs> lyrics say, yeah. it's not music to dance to, it's music to march to war to. Right. And yeah. I believe it. Listen to this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's fucking great stuff, man. Yeah. I, I love this song. I... I always have, mm-hmm. from the first time I listened to uh, the first time I listened to the album, 
mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this song is fantastic. Just the way it drives. It just drives. Absolutely. And yeah. it has the fitting title, War Dance. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible track. Yeah. Really, really well done. On all parts, all members, you know. Yeah. Coleman, Jordy, Youth, Paul. I mean, they're just, you know, fantastic on this album. Absolutely. Now we have the third track. This is Tomorrow's World. Which they were actually going to call the album. They're going to call it Tomorrow's World? Yeah. Oh, okay. That was going to be the album title, Tomorrow's World. Okay. They thought about it for a minute. Uh, But I guess maybe record company or whoever just decided to say, let's just call it Killing Joke. Another dirgy kind of constant beat. That bass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That bass. The bass is underrated on this album. Youth. uh, Yeah, youth. uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's good. Yeah. He's solid. It influenced so many others. I mean, listen to how it sounds so loose but bouncy and heavy at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It, it's got something. He's got something going on there that you just can't really describe. Mm-hmm. I think I read that when they went into studio to record the album, they didn't want producer. They didn't want a producer. Hmm. Okay. They just wanted an engineer to get the sounds right. that yeah, they yeah, wanted. Yeah, yeah. Kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, bring us up here, bring us down here, et cetera, et cetera. Just do mm-hmm. the faders. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, uh, but I think they achieved that because this is such an iconic album yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's part of the, something stupid like the best 500 records you need to listen to before you die. It's 1,000. Like, it's 1,000, yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, actually, I found a quote from them on here. The oral equivalent of having thumbs pushed through your ears while being told the end is nigh. Fuck it kind of yeah. sums it up, right? Fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, this is... It's apocalyptic, it especially is, yeah. with Coleman's vocals and his um, lyrics. But the band just backs him up through the whole thing with it. Now, is it true that Coleman fled to Iceland to escape what he thought was the <laughs> pending apocalypse? Did you hear that? Yeah. He... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. I read about it and the whole thing. And Do you know why that happened? He has freakouts is what I... Yeah, apparently. Yeah, he has freakouts, and uh, he just leaves. He goes off. Goes and, to places. And to, yeah. Okay, all right. So yeah. that's him. Okay, know. and this is Bloodsport. This is a dance song. Yeah. An instrumental. Heavy dance. <laughs> yeah. They've been described as that as well. Heavy this, dance this music. This is definitely industrial. Yeah. Well, fuck yeah. Listen to you know, the little yeah. sounds and the whole... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, Revolting Cox kind of made their career on this song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I may... I love Jurgensen. I love yeah. Revolting Cox. I love Cox. But... Th- <laughs> but... <laughs> of course. No, seriously, though. <laughs> <laughs> Just say it one more time. I love my sure. cock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. Very much so. Yeah. With no, too but, much uh, of times. I think that Jurgensen heard this stuff. Yeah. And he said... Wow, look at this. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to the bounce of this and the whole a nine, funky bass line. Right, exactly. Super, that's, super funky. That's Revolting Cox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it really re- is. It reminds me of some of Joy Division's funkier work. Oh, fuck yeah, too. Right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're absolutely yeah. right with that. Yeah, that's a, that's some Peter Hook bass line action going on in mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Now, this sounds like multiple whips making contact with human flesh. That part right there. It's like this kind of thrashing meanwhile you tell me not to talk about my cock and you're talking about <laughs> lips whips, pl- whips whips okay whips, whips. yes whips. yes not lips, lips and whips, whips. yes okay yes, all right yes. whips yes it's a crucial distinction yeah <laughs> it just, it's like a savage dance song yeah right it's like right. a yeah, dance until you bleed out and die if you're crazy song. enough yeah, to dance to it yeah it's in yeah well i think maybe per what the guys were doing in the band 
it's kind of a joke once again. I yeah. You know it's, what it's I mean? A killing joke. You like yeah. dance music? Here you go. Yeah. Blood sport. Right. Go with it. And here we have the weight. Yeah. Here we go. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I, I love like on this album crit. is how well I think it's remarkable that they have synth in the first place. Right. But the synth really blends easily with the oh yeah the bass and the kind of punkish guitar. They get, these know? guys worked together as a unit. Yeah, yeah. And uh-huh. it's hard to find that sometimes, even in newer bands. Yeah. Bands that I like, you can tell they're a band. Yeah. These guys were a fucking band yeah, when uh-huh. they started out. They worked together. Yeah. And that's what makes the music sound so great mm-hmm. and so appealing. Yeah. Uh, even if there's turmoil inside, mm-hmm. you know, with yeah. the band members and what have you. Yeah, that happens. But for the yeah. most part, it really comes through with the music. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's why some of my favorite bands have this kind of thing going on, this dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, unit. Yeah. You know, you all put your shields up, you get your swords out, you go to war. Yeah. Is what they're doing. You know, the best bands do that. Mm-hmm. When you got bands that, okay, this guy left, this guy left, the other guy left. Okay. But at the same time, when you hear those records where they were all working together and hungry, mm-hmm. like yeah. this, like Killing Joke, it's just phenomenal to mm-hmm. hear. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you can feel it. You can feel that the expression, the artistic expression, mm-hmm. and the want to do something different. Yeah, they were hungry for that. Yeah. You can tell. Yeah. You can really tell what they were. Yeah. Yeah. 1980. 1980. Yeah. When I listen we to it now, back, I'm yeah. like, what? I can't believe it came out in 1980. It, it it's sounds pretty revelant. Fresh. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's it pretty really revelant does. now. Yeah. yeah. Which is incredible. Yeah. And it's a feather in their cap, man. Mm hmm. This one was later covered by Metallica, right? This was oh, yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 On the uh, Garage Days re-revisited. Yeah. It's an interesting interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. Which one do you like better? The original or <laughs> the Metallica version? It's, it's, I like this one. Of course. I really like of this course. one. Yeah. I remember, uh, you know, hearing it back in the day and going, I know that song. Yeah. And I was digging through my cassettes and I was like, right, it's Killing Joke. Yeah. When they came out with that. I mean, I, I do like what Metallica did with that album. We'll get to Metallica when we get to the Ams, of course. It was they were paying homage to their influences. Their influences, the yeah. Like. yeah. It was, it's, it's a fun album. Yeah. Now we have complications. We always have complications. We always have complications. Yeah. <laughs> what strikes me here is that it's a very crisp production. It stands out on like, the record, the, right? The, the bass is very clearly delineated from the guitar. You know, it's like you can just hear the separate components. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot more production going on on this track as opposed to the previous three, Mm, four. Yeah. Uh, Five. Five. Whatever it is. (laughs) I can't count. No. I don't know. And also, listen to it. It sounds a little bit more commercial. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can can hear that. I can hear it. Yeah, yeah. The vocal delivery. It sounds like the band they're going to be in the three albums on. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, let's kind of talk about that a minute. Because they did become a more kind of commercially accessible band, right? Fire Dances was the first one. <laughs> yeah. That was their third album. Yeah. That was more accessible, but that still retained like the tribal drumming thing, right? Oh, yeah. It's like the guitar lines are clearer, not as jagged and distorted as before. So right. You're feeling right. that. But it's nighttime that really broke, right? Yeah. It, it just sounds like more like new wave dance music. That, well, I mean, of course, Fire Dances. Love Like Blood. Right, right. Yeah. Fire Dances had a couple of things going on for it that was, like you said yourself, the things to come. Where yeah. they were trying to maybe break in, make some money, 
Sure. You know, yeah, as a band yeah, yeah. and the whole thing. And they were on the road at this point for a long bit, mm-hmm. promoting themselves and what have you. So you can see a band saying, all right, well, let's try this. Let's try that. Yeah. And Killing Joke was always that band that experimented a lot with different types of genre sounds. Mm-hmm. And I respect them for that. You know, they were all over the place. They were pop. They were metal. They were industrial metal. They were post-punk. They're this, they're that, the other thing. And at some point they became a techno pop band. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. With the remixes My- and... My theory is that if you put synths on an album, at least five albums from down the line, you're going to be a technical pop band. I think it's a general rule okay. that holds up. Which is fine. Yeah, yeah. it's up. Yeah. But, I mean, when it comes to Killing Joke and Jazz's keyboard playing, fuck that. You know, he's still heavy. He's still heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he spoke up. He was yep. like, no, don't pause me. You got to hear me. <laughs> so is this SO36? Yeah. Okay. S. Yeah, sometimes it looks like SO36. Right. And it's, it's, I've yeah. seen it, yeah, different ways. Do you, you know, know what it means? No. Okay. What does it mean? I have no idea what it means. I don't know. Yeah, okay. I didn't find anything, yeah. You guys got to tell us. It's basically a German voice speaking over like a long, dirgy thing. Yeah, yeah. instrumental. Yeah. It kind of has a Velvet Underground quality to me. The really? kind of experimental stuff they're into. Okay. I mean, all of these bands came out of the Velvet Underground, obviously. Right. I mean, that's just how it is. But it, I don't know, some, some of the longer kind of experimental jams that VU did right. back in the day. Right. Maybe it doesn't sound like that, but it feels like that is the spirit behind it. I think is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm looking at how it influenced other artists. Sure, you're like I'm looking backwards. You're looking forwards. I'm looking forwards. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, uh, go with that. Tool put out an instrumental piece that's kind of close to it on one of their records. I think it was Anima. Okay. Where you have this guy spouting German over an instrumental piece mm-hmm. and uh, what have you. So why is it always German? I don't know. What was the because thing the with Nazis? that? I, don't, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's. Yeah. Oh, come on. Those are the scariest motherfuckers on the planet. True. Yeah, you know? true. So, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and also really shows the juxtaposition between war and peace. Sure, yeah. Especially back then. Yeah. You talk about Nazis, you're talking about war. You know, I think everybody gravitated towards that black and white factor. Sure. So much so that you, even Punk on the album. Punk love its extremes. Right. They push the edge frequently. When you come up with a song called Belson Was a Gas... Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you're right. you're really yeah, you're 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 going to a holiday in Cambodia. Right. You're going there. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know what so thirty six means. Yeah. I have no idea and I didn't look it up. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, if any member of Killing Joke is listening, please tell us. <laughs> yeah. Please comment. Okay, we're at the final track now. This is primitive. Sounds like it, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, so who dun, covered this one? Dun, dun. Afterwards? Who covered this? Helmet. Oh, fuck, man. Yeah, yeah. I missed that one. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Our old friend's helmet. Yeah. yeah. Fuck, we talked yeah. about it in one of our H episodes. Awesome. Yeah, yeah I forgot about that. I, I love how the rhythm section proves itself on this one before the guitar even comes in. Mm. You know, they're just there. They're jamming. And right. then you hear this low kind of drone coming up. Right. And then it starts dominating. Once again, like a warning. Yeah, yeah. Like, get the fuck out of the yeah. way. It's the march, and then you get the warning. Yeah. Here come the fucking planes. (laughs) We're going to drop bombs on you. This is about getting in touch with your primal self, seems like. (laughs) You know? Yeah. (laughs) That's easy. Grab your crotch. Yeah. (laughs) Just grab it. Hold on to it. Make it your friend. Awesome, man. Yeah, it's so good. These guys started something. 
that they didn't realize they were starting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be honest with you. Yeah. You know, when I look back at uh, certain bands, Killing Joke being one of the major ones that really, really put a movement forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Political, social, political, mm-hmm. social, political, whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> so how Just so, heavy. How so know, in, that, in that regard? Well, I'm talking about issues that you have in your day-to-day life as well as, and what bugs you about being hurt by political issues. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people aren't talking about that besides, I mean, you had the hippie movement, you had certain other bands before that trying to talk about what it means to be a citizen in whatever world you live in. Sure. And I think these guys started saying, look, man, it's fucked. And so you got to do something about it. You got to really stand up and try to think for yourself and also maybe get active about whatever's happening in your community. Yeah, I would say that punk rock, it was kind of going political, but it was more like, it's all fucked. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it. Right. No future. Yeah, no future. No exactly. future. Yeah. Whereas this is taking that, but taking the next step, like, okay, here, try to do something about it. Like, fight it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We can work yeah. together. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you know, we're going to get into the album cover in a minute. I think it says it all, but the album cover especially. Well, let's talk about that. All right. So, do you know the origin of this album cover? Look this one up. The, uh, what was it? The, uh... Based on a photograph of young riders trying to escape from the clouds of C-5 tear gas released by the British Army in Derrick, Northern Ireland. In Ireland, yes. In 1971 during the Troubles. The Troubles. Yeah, yeah. So, it... It Irish nationalists. So, do you you think they're, they're they're trying to say something with that reference, or they're just going for this image? Because it's a compelling image. I would say, you know, I mean, what was going on between Ireland and England at that time, I think certain English people were starting to side with people from Ireland. Yeah. Just seeing the suffering that was going on. And Ferguson, you know, he's half Irish. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So I, I didn't think know that, that. Okay. They kind of sided with the turmoil that was happening there. Yeah. And, okay. you know, I think people were starting to get a little sick of the whole idea of England taking over everything. Yeah. I know from, you know, my grandfather and other folks that I've talked to about when it comes to what was going on at the time, people wound up after a while being consolidated and killing each other. Yeah. And it's a sick thing. Mm-hmm. So I think the fact that they used this image for their first album cover is really poignant. Yeah. I think it's it's something. very it's very, very important. It's great because these guys are like trying to get away from the cops or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, being gassed as they're trying to maybe blow up this wall or, you know, whatever's happening here. But um so many people died and suffered during that time. Yeah. I think Coleman said it best too at one point where he said that's the reason why the band is named Killing Joke. Right, yeah. Because it's like you're watching something happen and you don't realize that you're actually laughing at yourself. Yeah, okay. You're laughing at yourself and the whole aspect of what's happening around you. Hmm. I think he referenced Monty Python at one point saying, you know, you're thinking about the guy in the foxhole, you know, the warrior, the the soldier. Mm -hmm. And when he finally realizes that I don't want to be part of this war. The joke's on me. I suffer. We didn't talk about this, but uh, Tomorrow's World is explicitly a not wanting to go to war song. Yeah. Like that's in the yeah. lyrics. Yeah. yeah. Big part of it. Yeah. 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 I do feel like that's going on. Oh, well, what do you think of it just as an image? If you didn't know any of the history behind it, what is your take on it just as an album cover image? I think it's great in the sense that it feels desperate. You yeah. see these guys on the wall. Some of them are trying to run. Some of them don't know what to do. I think it's a great image. I mean, I, I kind of don't even know what's going on. Like, actually, right. these, these guys could just be watching a rock concert. 
from, from, <laughs> from looking at it. If, if I just, if I don't right. know anything about it, if I just look right. at it. But the punk rock album aesthetic was just very kind of found image, thrown together, like clip art kind of thing. Mm. It fits in with that. It's very, it's black and white, it's very grainy, it's very, it's like silhouetted. Right. And I, I think it's very compelling. And it's got Killing Joke, like as graffiti on the wall. I, I think it's a really, it's a solid, compelling image, I think. Mike Cole was yeah. the artist, and okay. he worked with them. I think he's still working with them. He's also still running malicious damage records. Hmm. Okay. And selling artwork and the whole nine. Okay. But yeah, I mean, look at the grainy image in the back. What yeah. do you see there? I, it's a face. Yeah. It's a face okay. looking down on top of. It's great, great subliminal kind of artwork I mean they went a little further later on with the whole thing with the Pope and mm. but with the Nazi thing and yeah. what have you but it turns out that that wasn't actually a Pope it was some <laughs> some German just a bishop or German a, bishop a cardinal right so whatever the fuck but <laughs> still we walk, it says volumes what they were trying to do was wake you up to what's happening now in society yeah. and I think they were one of the first bands around that time in the 80s the early 80s that said hey check it out we're kind of screwed well, up here well there was a bit of collaboration between certain parts of the vatican and nazi germany right like that's historical uh yeah there was it, it's documented i would assume it's documented yeah. yeah it actually did kind of happen the vatican really, <laughs> really? <laughs> don't want to offend anybody but yeah, yeah right, 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 right 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 look it up it's yeah. in wikipedia which you can trust as an authoritative source <laughs> so okay we like the album cover obviously yes now we're going to come to the section that you hate about this podcast and we call it Going to hell! Thank, you, thank you. So, what would be your top song on this album? It's it's rough. I know it's, it's tough. really it's, it's really, really rough. tough for me. Yeah, it's a tough one. Damn, top song. I'm torn between War Dance and The Weight. Okay, interesting. Um, man, I'm gonna go War Dance. <sighs> I've got War Dance too. Really? Yeah. So, why do you think so? Fist bomb. <laughs> <laughs> it says what it means. Yeah. It's going okay. to yeah, war. Yeah, it's yeah. a war dance, you know? Like I said, there's no mystery behind what's inside the package. Mm-hmm. The song yeah. is what it is. It's a very it's a very simple statement that kind of coalesces for me what this album is all about. Going to it's, war it's against these, certain with, cultures. With the kind of with the dance element. That there's a oh again, killing joke. There's a playfulness combined with the grimness of violence. Right, right. You know what I mean? It's like a synthesis of those two things that come together. And I said that wrong, you know, I mean, not going against certain cultures, but going against certain fads and certain right. ideas that are yeah. bullshit. They kinda started doing that. I have to say that I really appreciate them for doing that because other bands started taking chances where they stomped on whatever the fuck the trend was at the time. Right. Which okay. is incredible. Give me an example. Oh, jeez. Uh, Put you on the spot. Put you on the spot. <laughs> you got to get up there. That's going to be like, on the spot. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I mean, there were so many other bands that did it here and there, but not... See, when you go backwards in time, and we're talking about 1980 and 1970 and what have you, like with that these guys did it first. DeLorean and... Uh... <laughs> right. In, in in terms of uh, the political element, is that what you're saying? Like for the post-punk? Yeah, I, I would say so. I would say so with the post-punk. Yeah, like uh, a lot of post-punk bands at the time, they were not overtly political, I would say. And a lot of punk bands weren't as well. True, yeah. It was really? more about, you yeah, know, like, like Sex Pistols the, changed the, everybody. The Clash certainly 
was. They were the class world. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I well, think they were well, the only one. Dead Kennedys were very political. The Dead Kennedys. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, across the board. But they you, came you don't later. Get that many. True. Yeah. Everyone argues over who's the first punk band. Yeah. Ramones. It's, it's, a, it's a pointless argument. Or yeah, the Ram- Sex Ramones Pistols. certainly were not political. Not uh, not, not so at all. much. Yeah. No. Yeah. Except for Bonzo goes to Bipper, but right. Right. That was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Nazis. Right. Yeah, and Blitzkrieg well, Bop. Ex- yeah, yeah. True. Yeah. Okay, Gun to the Head, the other song, Would You Have to Lose? And I know it's tough. Gun to the Head, the other way. It's just not going to work. Just not going to work. Oh, man. It's tough for me because I I really love this album album. as as a whole. Mm -hmm. I really, really, really love the album. Oh, man. I guess I'm going to have to go SL36. I can see why you do that. It's more experimental. It doesn't really go any place. It feels like a segue more than a song. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit overly long, isn't it? Yeah. It's a bit long. But at the time when it came out, nobody had heard anything like that. Yeah. It's true. So, I mean, they were were experimenting but at the same time kind of broadened other musicians horizons it reminds of sister ray yeah and then that kind of just long form like just let it keep going right experimental okay. kind of thing yeah. i can see that yeah all right yeah i was kind of torn i almost said that but mine is tomorrow's world really it's got that dirgy kind of constant beat like a lot of the other songs do i feel like other songs on this album do that better than this song even though i like Which, it, it uh well requiem is the best dirgy song on this album. Uh, 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 yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like Tomorrow's World is kind of working in that vein, but it doesn't do it quite as well for me. And I feel like it doesn't progress as much. It doesn't go to the interesting places musically that I feel that Requiem does. That's why I would choose that one, yeah. It's funny because that was supposed to be, I think, like I said before... The title. The title. And probably the single. Sure. Back then, you know, when you put out an album as an artist or a band, the title track was the single. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. To sell the record. Yeah. Were there singles off this one? Uh, I, that's a good question. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> Keep quiet. <laughs> Shut up, R2-D2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, War Dance and Requiem were okay. singles. That if makes I sense. remember correctly. That makes sense. If I remember correctly. Good singles, yeah. They didn't chart here in the U.S., but they charted in the U.K., of course. In a big way, yeah. Yeah, I think they were up to like 38 or something like that on the on the charts. So which album really broke them here? What I read and what I know is Fire Dances was the first one. Yeah. And then after that, it was... Well, uh, Nighttime. Nighttime. Had 80s. Nighttime, like 80s. Yeah, Those yeah. were all over Those the place. Those were the big singles. Singles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but they switched up. It had a polished, commercial much, much more, yeah, sheen to that it. That was much more of a new wave album. Yeah. It's still great, though. Yeah, I it's mean, a good album. Yeah, solid. That's how I was introduced to them. So I had a friend whom you've met who was really in a new wave at that time. Was turning me on to a lot of bands. He's like, "Oh, check this out." I'm like, "Okay, cool." But he didn't go deeper. He didn't go backwards. Yeah. I found that out on my own. Where I just kind of explored them. Like, "Whoa, this old stuff is this is the shit right here." Right, yeah. right. He wasn't as much of an industrial guy as I was. <laughs> <laughs> or a goth dude. Yeah, true. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, years ago, I had the distinct honor of playing in a band with Paul. Big really? Paul Ferguson. Yeah. Okay. He's the coolest musician I've ever met besides my brothers, Mark and Sam. Huh. Okay. When, when was this? Jeez, we're talking about 1990. <laughs> okay. Wow. 1990 some odd. Hmm. But my first uh, serious band. And we were an industrial act. 
Okay. And what did you call yourself? Super deformed. Okay. Super deformed. Uh, so started up this thing and whatnot. And Mark and my guitar player slash co-writer worked at Sam Ash at the time. Hmm. So Paul Ferguson walks into Sam Ash one day, and my friend recognized him, the other guy who was pretty much a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much a dick. Just for the record. Yeah. And uh, he said, hey, you know, uh, we, we got this thing going on and you should jam with us and the whole night. So Paul got on board and we did that for something stupid like a year hmm. where we were in rehearsal studio and just working out tunes. He was great with us. He was the kindest, coolest dude, man. Wow. I mean, he was really sweet. He was a sweet man. I shouldn't talk about him like he's past tense because he's still around. But, you know, he's the coolest dude. So we were thinking maybe we'd take it on the road and the whole thing and work stuff out. But my dumb dick partner... This is why he's a dick. He's an asshole. Yeah. Uh, he still is. And if you're listening to this, you're a fucking asshole. Uh, <laughs> not to make it personal, but... <laughs> not you, Paul. The other guy. He started pressuring Paul about joining the band. Yeah. And Paul said, you know what? I'm not willing to do this right now. And the whole thing. So he bowed yeah. out. Do you know what else he was doing at the time? Um, in terms of like band stuff? He wasn't doing too much at that time. Okay. He was hanging out with us. Basically just helping us. <laughs> sure, yeah. Is what which I is, think. Which is cool. Yeah, which, that's awesome. what I think. Yeah, you know, getting us in shape. Yeah, but uh, before that, he was in Warrior Soul, which is another New York band that I think I mentioned before. Murder Inc., Pink Parts. The guy has done a lot of different stuff, mm -hmm. you know, besides just Killing Joke. Yeah, he's a great, phenomenal drummer and a motivator. I mean, he nice. just motivates you with the way he plays. <laughs> nice. He's the great motivator. So I had that great, great, great pleasure. And that's one of my big rock and roll stories is meeting Paul Ferguson. That's cool. And also when I would walk down the street with him and hang out with him and someone would recognize him. He was very, very cool about it. You hmm. know, he would like the fact that he was like, nobody remembers me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, they do. <laughs> Come on, man. You know, you're fucking Big Paul. And uh, he would always be happy about that fact. Nice. You know, very, very non-ego. Cool. I no like ego. That. He's, he's an incredible artist, too. He restores old sculptures. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's a great artist. He does wrought iron work. Also an incredible, talented artist. Hmm. Uh, beyond being an incredible, talented drummer. So I can't forget the fact that the first time I was in rehearsal room with him, I got shy. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> I didn't know if I could sing. Okay. Uh, it took me a minute to really get comfortable. Because there's few times in your life where you actually meet somebody that you've seen growing up and loving their music. Yeah. And kind of trying to move your music that way and move it to what you're influenced by. Yeah. So for me, when I actually got behind the microphone and uh, he was playing drums behind me, I felt like at that point I made it. I just mic dropped it and said, <laughs> you know what? I quit. I'm not singing no more anymore. I just made it. Nice. That's it. So. Do you know what he's doing these days? I'm sure he's um, still working with Killing Joke, maybe here and there. If not, then yeah. he's probably selling um, his wrought iron work yeah, okay. or you know, doing restoration yeah. for art. Hmm. I'm sure he's doing something. Nice. I mean, the guy never stops. He was over at my apartment uh, one time for my birthday, and I was very happy awesome. and very proud of, look, I got Paul Ferguson <laughs> yeah. at my birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm famous. That's cool. 
Right, so when I met Paul Ferguson back in the day, he was never good with giving stories up. Hmm. So there was one time when we were coming back from rehearsal room on the train. I said, come on, Paul, give me a story. I need a story. Come on. You've been around with so many other bands. You talk about touring with the cult. Talk about touring with these guys and these guys and the other guys. Tell me a story. Yeah. So he says, okay, fine. Here's a story for you. And I cuddled up to him. <laughs> kind of put my head on his shoulder. Oh, man. <laughs> And he says, okay, look, man, we were on tour, and uh, we ran into David Coverdale at one point. I don't think they were on tour with him or what have you. So he invites them back to his duplex flat Hmm. that had a spiral staircase. So they're sat down by his handler or whoever, Mm -hmm. and they're sat down in front of a coffee table, and a mountain of cocaine comes out. Okay. So they start doing lines in the whole nine. And uh, as they're doing lines, David Coverdale is in a robe upstairs. He starts coming down the stairs, the spiral staircase, doing scales like, ah, 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 all this kind of nonsense, right? Yeah. When he hits the bottom of the stairs, he hits a baritone and and kind of ends his uh-huh. scales. Yeah. And then he walks over to the boys, sits down and says, can Robert Plant do that? <laughs> He had this thing with Robert Plant that nobody, you know. And they were like, okay. (laughs) Don't care. Yeah, no. uh. (laughs) That was the only reason why they hung out with David Coverdale, because he had mountains of cocaine. Okay. Wow. That's a a great personal story, Walt. I like that a lot. Yeah. I'm glad I lived it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Okay, well, obviously we love Killing Joke. Fuck yeah. Killing Joke rocks. Great album. Um, Any final thoughts on this album? Nothing besides it's a great, great, great album, and it's a game changer. If you haven't listened to it and you are listening to this podcast, you should check it out. If you're into heavy rock, if you're into metal, post-punk, punk, etc., 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 just check it out. We've covered a lot of albums on this podcast. It's rare that we cover an actual game changer, and this this is is one of them. This is, yeah. Yeah, even though it is anti-Seminole. Right. Because it was not one of their big albums. No. Yeah. It was later. Exactly. They started off, you know, just cock-dieseling it. Yeah. Just running shit over. Yeah. And then they said, okay, well, we want to make money. Cock-dieseling is a great image. (laughs) Cock-dieseling. Big giant cock running shit over. You didn't have to describe (laughs) it more than that. I'll I'll say it again. Just let the imagery stand. That's fine. But what I'm saying is that, you know, then they kind of hung back for a minute and said. You just said hung now. You're you're, you're belaboring the metaphor. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. It all threads together. (laughs) (laughs) Not in a pleasant way, however. What was I saying? About cocks and diesels? You're talking about an album. You're talking about an album. Right, right. So they come out the gate running and they plow everybody over. And then later on they're like, you know what? Okay, we did all that. Now we want to do this. And I really respect the idea of them doing it as opposed to other bands later on. Right. You know what I mean? Other bands, like Metallica did it too. It's like, okay, we're going to do this now. It just... (laughs) (laughs) You're going to do this now. And it doesn't work. Yeah. But Killing Joke, for whatever reason, they had that carte blanche to say, you know what? We can change up yeah. our sound whenever the fuck and we I, want to. Yeah, and I don't know why. Right, Because I, right? I, I feel the same way about Metallica and Killing Joke. 
Okay. Yeah. You'll hear this when we talk about Metallica later on. But yeah, like after a certain point, I can't go with them. But Killing no. Joke, I yeah. feel, yeah, yeah. You can run with that. It's them. true, yeah. You'll go, okay, you know what? Yeah. Cool. The same thing like certain other bands of the time, like The Cult or Echo and the Bunnymen or yeah. The Sisters of Mercy. They call it post-punk for a reason. Their first albums were very punkish. Right. But then they moved progressively to a more commercial, slicker sound that you would call New Wave. Right. Or, you know, Goth Wave or whatever. Right. It was a very common progression at the time. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you on these bands. But then they also come back at the same time, like True. Killing Joke Day. The last two records that they put out, Absolute Descent. Okay. Dude, that's a great record. Okay, I'll check it really, out. Really, really good. Uh, I was surprised. You want to pick your notes off the floor? Yeah, no, no, no. Be- <laughs> <laughs> They're all over like the place, The coming man. by. I know. I throw them all over the place. <laughs> so, yeah, Absolute Descent and Pylon. Okay. Or the last two records they put out. Man, they're fucking great. Nice. They're heavy as shit. Nice. They're fucking cool, man. I could see these guys sitting back and going, okay, look, who are the heaviest bands going right now? Okay, we got Tool, we got maybe Clutch, we got this, we got that, right? And they said, okay, let's make heavy music the way we make it yeah. and show the kids how it's fucking done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I hear these records, I'm like, wow, man, who the fuck thought that they would put that out yeah, yeah, yeah. now? Mm-hmm. So I can't say enough about Killing Joke. Nice. You know? And big influence influence on me from when I was younger and especially when I wanted to start making heavy music they were one of the tops mm-hmm. for me yeah. one of the top bands that I would listen to and try to figure out how do I sing like that how do I focus on that how do I make it as heavy and as extreme you know I barely dabble in political here and there I do lyrically but mostly vocally it's um introspective talking about you know how people fuck themselves up but I also got that from Coleman with some oh, of his Okay. You know, the way he writes. So, yeah, I, I can't say enough about the band. Awesome. Okay. So, um, yeah, I think you said it best. Great album. Yeah, absolutely great album. So, what are we doing next, Walt? Well, we're still in K. Yes. So. Who's up next? I'd like to do a Kiss record. Okay. What, which one would you like to do? Which one do you consider I anti-seminal? <laughs> yeah. I never prepare. Yeah. I never prepare. not obvious at all. I never prepare. You can't sing an aria about it. Just I... get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wasting time thinking, all right? Yeah. I'm just wasting time thinking. All right, uh, you know what? Dress to Kill. Okay. Kiss, Dress to Kill. That's up next. Okay, cool. That. All right, people. We are Useless Info, Inc., and this is Anti-Seminal. We will come back at you with Kiss, Dress to Kill. I am Max. I'm Walt. Rock on. Rock and roll! Oh, you can find us on WordPress and YouTube and Google Play and iTunes and Facebook and the Twitter. Bye. Rock and roll.